Blog Talk Radio. More live fantasy sports radio than anyone on the planet. Seven continuous hours of football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus seven hours of game day frenzy on Sunday. 30 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Like Craig Davis of FantasyFootball.com. The Audible Cecil Lammy. Paul Greco of Melnick and Greco Fantasy Sports. And the fantasy football guys Lyle Conkiel and Kevin Moore. The Fantasy Sports Channel. Only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. rushing more than 24 hours of live draft action your way. And we're the only place on the planet to do it with a fantasy football twist. Excitement begins Saturday, April 25th at 10 a.m. Eastern with 14 continuous hours of nonstop draft day coverage. Plus another live draft block beginning Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. That's right. Mike and I are going to be hosting on Friday night at 11 o'clock to midnight. We might even run a little bit over, and then we're back at it from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock. That's going to put it at about picks. With, with 10 minutes per pick, is going to put us at about picks 12 to 18, which will put us right around the Jets pick, and that's always a lot of fun. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, and this is Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. Hey, hey, let's go! 
on Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Yeah, and as always, I'm joined from my uh, with my Big Blue co-host here from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Tram. Mike, the buzzer meter was live and in effect last week. We got more of the same coming up? No, i tell you what, I think we're... We're we're level five right now on the buzzometer. Uh, so excited about what's going on. Uh, I was in full effect. It was a ten. No, it was a twelve. It was a twelve. Oh, twelve last week. But uh, this week, yeah, this week uh, we're at a five because we got a lot of stuff to cover and uh, like we just talked about in the intro. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, going over other things. Uh, and, you know, making some things happen. <laughs> you know, it was too good last week, and, I, and, and, and I, I've dubbed these classic Mike-isms, okay? When the buzzer meter is that high and it's rolling at about a 10, 11, or a 12, they're Mike-isms. And, and, and I had to just listen to the, the show again last week, and, and, I, and I wish I had a way of pulling those off. I'm going to find a way to pull those off and actually archive some of those because some of those snips were just classic. They had me busting in tears, Mike. I've got uh, I've got this one here where you say, uh, and this is just paraphr- This is just a word for word here. Uh, Go for it. It says, "Hey, I'd love to. This is Mike, and I look forward to it. Steve, look forward to doing whatever I can do for the league and for the Dynasty oh. Dynasty League and making things happen. As far as you know, whatever we can make things make things work. As far as Dynasty football." <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey Scott, Scott, you gotta be you gotta be thinking, what kind of idiot am I? And, I mean, this guy is nuts. No, he's drunk. <laughs> but not tonight. It was it was about a a minute later. You said, you know, that was a fast one on me, Scott. I didn't expect that, and you laughed, and you said, I'm very excited about it. And I didn't know it until about a minute ago. And here we go. And then he said, and now I'm very excited about being part of the league and being part of moving on and making making sure you know we do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> do what we can when we can do it. <laughs> and, and I think the whole night, well, I, just summed, it, it was summed up with this one short little statement. It's a three-power hitter phrase here. It said, <laughs> you grab a team, you take it, and you move forward from it. <laughs> That was the line that just had me busted out in tears, man. I couldn't, I couldn't even type. Uh, you no, know, maybe on, it, on. Was, uh, it was because I was so excited about being a part of the new league, but because I am. Uh, but maybe because it was, I was just the buzzer meter was way too high. So. Well, we're happy to have you. We're happy to have you. That is your third dynasty league, and we're happy to have you in the PDFFL with Rich Cook and. And Steve Carter and all those guys. There's a there's a ton of uh, guys that play high stakes fantasy football in that league. And and uh, here's another one. Sound like sound like John Madden. Rest his uh, rest in peace. There he retired. It says uh, if she, you you said one thing, Scott. If I could jump in, you wanted to jump in. You had to say this. You jumped in to say this. 
you said, is you have to have a general manager kind of man, a mindset. You have to be a manager and a general manager and manage those players and what you want to make happen. <laughs> hey, but you know what, Scott, right there, you, you tried to talk like me. That was unbelievable. Because you had that kind of confidence talk. It, it was coming out of you. It's coming out of you. It's coming out of you. Yeah, it's infecting me somehow like a virus. It says, I mean, you've both been through it. I'm kind of a rookie when it comes to things and going through rebuilding teams. But the one thing about it, I don't mind seeing a team and taking a look at it and saying, okay, this is what I need to do, and here's the process to go through, and I don't mind doing that, and it's a lot of fun making things happen. I mean, it, it just went on and on and on, man. And I, uh, I couldn't believe it after I typed it out. I had to type it out to see it for myself because I knew I had experienced it. I just didn't know to what extent. So, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, us wasting the first nine minutes of the show on just mindless babble here. Uh, but this is Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio. Hope you guys enjoyed the, uh, the the tea parties that went on all across the country this week. Where's uh, one, by the way? We had Thomas Paine at our event in Indianapolis, which drew a crowd of a little over 10,000 people, 10,000 strong. Uh, Thomas Paine, uh, the, the the guy who dresses up like Thomas Paine and delivers the very, very powerful speeches on YouTube, you need to check him out. Uh, he said, you know, the media is painting this thing as a um, as a Tea Party uh, protest. He said, and he, of course he's in Indianapolis, and he says. When Bobby Knight throws a chair against, across the court, that's a protest. He said, when millions of Americans stand side by side in the streets of America, that's a full-fledged rebellion. And it drew a, uh, a roaring uh, ovation, and uh, I'll tell you what, it was, a, it was a nice time to be an American. I have our videos uh, that we took up there uh, on Facebook, and I have a lot of pictures there too, so if you'd like to check those out, it was uh, a good time to uh, – to, for for a little bit of patriotism and uh, taking a, a more active role in uh, our our local government and local politics, if we have neglected it in the past, uh, for the most part, if if you have if decisions are being made that you don't agree with, uh, it's 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 likely our fault because we haven't taken enough of a stand and taken enough to know the issues and know the the people who are running, and so it's a it's a nice way to rededicate yourself to the system that keeps us uh, uh, free and 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 the best country in all the world. So. Mike, Just I, I don't to jump know. in real quick, Scott. Uh, real quick, Scott. Real quick, Scott. I've been very active in uh, our local and uh, what goes on uh, as far as uh, things that, whether it be a Democratic, Republican, uh, things like that. And the one thing about it is we all have to be active in what we're talking about. And if you talk about something, back it up. Back it up, vote, and uh, be you know be active in what you're talking about as far as saying what you're saying. Um, so, so I know this is sports talk, fantasy talk show, and uh, but we also like to talk about the freedoms of America. I'm so proud to be an American, uh, and especially when when the general come off the uh, you know he come off there and. Uh, the Navy SEALs, they did what they did. I mean, congrats to the Navy SEALs. If you're Navy SEALs out there right now, thank you. Thank you very much for what you did uh, to uh, come to the uh, Pirates. But uh, we're, we're very lucky and very lucky to be what we're doing what we're doing right now. 
Yeah, that was uh, that was a pretty neat moment there where we uh, it, was, it was nice to see them kick some ass. So. <laughs> Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. We'd love to hear from you tonight uh, because we are talking uh, – we're, we're getting ready in preparation for this NFL Draft Day uh, promo of 14 continuous hours of uh, Draft Day coverage here on um, Blog Talk Radio and the thefantasysportschannel.com uh, is making that happen. Mark Ronick and the guys have uh, worked their tail off to uh, – get us scheduled, and sure enough, we landed uh, what I consider the best spot. The one hour that I would want out of the entire draft, Mike, was the hour where the New York Jets make their draft pick. Uh, it's always a lot of fun to see what the Jets do with their pick. Do they take a kicker? Do they take a tight end? Uh, this is always a lot of fun for me, uh, but it, it, I always get excited, and then I always get let down because I am a Jets fan. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where year after year, we've had a couple of good picks here recently. I don't know about the Golston pick. Last year, we'll have to see and wait and see about that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about Dustin Keller coming on the team, and uh, hopefully we can do something with the 17 pick. I don't know if we're going to be moving up in the draft. Uh, we may miss the Jets pick entirely if they see Sanchez fall to around 8, 9, or 10 in that area. You might see the Jets decide to uh, package some picks up and, and grab Sanchez. But, Mike, right now it looks like uh, the Broncos are working out uh, Mark Sanchez, and and I heard you say the other day that he's your number one quarterback on the board. Yeah, he is. You know, I I mean I like Matt Stafford a little bit, but uh, there's there's no there's no doubt about it that uh, Mark Sanchez is going to be my number one quarterback on the boards because he's young, brass, kind of cocky. And he has a way about him that uh, in two years he he's going to be ready. Matthew Stafford, I, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced. Uh, it, you know, when I was making my notes, Scott, it was. Uh, it depends on uh, what team gets, depends on what team gets what player. Uh, you know, it, it's a system. Uh, it's a system issue. You know, if uh, if. If Mark Sanchez goes to Seattle, for instance, then that's going to be a perfect fit in two years, no problem. Um, Matt Stafford, if he gets drafted immediately for uh, Detroit, I don't know. If you're thrown into the fire, that could be a that could be a hard thing, a hard thing for uh, a young kid like that to deal with. So. I don't know. It, it, it's going to be tough to uh, deal with the quarterbacks. Uh, the interesting thing is the running backs and wide receivers because there's there's a few of them out there that are outstanding, and there's a few of them out there that are okay. So I don't know how to deal with them right now. Mike, we also wanted to take callers tonight because we've got uh, we're going to talk Braylon Edwards and Quan Bolden. There's rumors swirling about either of these guys. Be- uh, being targets in draft day trades, and uh, we opened this uh, the phones up here. But uh, this is a this is a free night to chat, and uh, whatever we want to talk about as far as the draft is concerned, we've got a call from the seven seven zero seven seven zero. You're on the air. Seven seven zero. Hello. Can you hear me? Well, we've got him there, but I guess he's uh, a little scared off. Seven seven zero three six zero is gone. I guess we didn't give him the right lead in. Uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, they're they're a little a uh, little scared of the situation. Let's go back to what we were talking about, Mike. This Mark Sanchez kid. Um, you 
have you heard Trent Dilfer on these broadcasts as, as a yep. as a um, as a broadcaster? Um, yeah, this I guy's good. I, I I enjoy listening to this guy. Um, I've never really known him to be this this technical uh, and, and just really understand things. That, yeah, in a way that really makes sense and and is easy to understand, but. He said this about Mark Sanchez, and, and this is why he had him over Stafford. Not, not only the only reason, but he said he's this type of kid. He said, obviously, in, in, in NCAA, uh, in college football right now, you have a, a slew of great quarterbacks coming out next year. You've got um, Tim Tebow from Florida. You have Colt McCoy from Texas. And you got Sam Bradford from Oklahoma. These are three guys that you could see next year if the team can have a little bit of patience this year and they position themselves with a pretty bad year and a high draft pick. You've got three that are coming off the board, Mike. I can see them going one, two, three. Okay, that's the way I see those three guys. It'll be one of those magical quarterback years. But here's what Dilfer said that I found very surprising. He said Mark Sanchez is the guy. He's the guy's guy. He said, if you have a room full of four guys, and it's Colt McCoy and Tim Tebow, Sam Bradford, and Mark Sanchez, and they have to hand the keys off to one guy to get the job done or, or for whatever reason, they're handing the keys to Mark Sanchez. And I said, wow. Wow. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what that says, but when, when you put those four guys in perspective and you say something about that, he's got that it factor. Well, you know, that it factor must be the, the fact that Mark Sanchez has a charisma about him. He's always been able to uh, communicate with his team real well and uh, make his team a part of what he's doing. And that's what it takes to uh, be a leader of a team, just to say, hey, guys, this is what's going to get done. And, uh, you know, maybe in the Wonder League or whatever they, you know, know, the tests they do in the combines and all all this stuff, uh, there's very few things that uh, that people don't see that are leadership abilities. For instance, uh, I saw I, I pulled up the the last ten years for the uh, top ten forties uh, at the combine, and there's only three players right now that are Pro Bowlers out of the top forty. So maybe the uh, maybe the I don't know maybe the combine is it overrated I don't know maybe it is it, it seems like to me it is I mean because when when I heard uh, uh, Chris Beanie Wells being interviewed it was very interesting he was very articulate and just going about his business saying look man you know I I mean I'm going through this I'm going through that and then I'm, I got to step on the line and I got to run forty. I did the best I could, you know. So right. I don't know. It, it, it's a tough. The combine is a tough deal, and uh, I guess I'm going off on another tangent. But uh, you know, it just tells me that maybe the combine isn't as much as we should. Don't put as much stock into it as we should. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun on on draft day Saturday. We've got a we've got a couple of callers on the switchboard. We've got a chat room. Uh, Football Jones is in the house. The Propnosticator, uh, he'll he'll be back with us later this year to talk uh, props. And uh, Cracker Twelve is in the chat room. Seven seven zero. We're going to try to get you back on the air to see if we have a better connection now. Seven seven zero. Scott. Yeah. Hey, this is Jesse Heron. Uh, calling in from uh, the World Championship Fantasy Football. Just was uh, listening to your uh, debate there about. Uh, 
uh, about the uh, combine and uh, just thought I'd call in and uh, say hello. First time I've had a chance to uh, call into your show. It's uh, you guys got a good program there going on today. So. Hey, thanks, Jesse. We appreciate having you, man. This is an honor. We've uh, we've got the, the WCOFF chairman of the board or co-founder here, uh, co-owner, and uh, you guys announced some uh, had some pretty big announcements uh, this week. You want to chat about that, or you want to talk about the draft? Well, a little bit of both, right? So uh, happy to talk. I'll give you the two-second spiel on the announcements that went out today, and then uh, you know, look, it's draft time. Let's talk football, right? Um, cool. So we rolled out uh, our official applications. We wait till. Um, we always wait until the official NFL schedule comes out. Uh, once in a while they throw in an extra Thursday game, which throws our rules uh, for a loop. So we made sure that uh, no big surprises. And then uh, uh, yesterday and today we rolled out our official application, which we had a couple of changes this year. Uh, you know, For those who haven't noticed, um, and, and I'm going to assume, uh, I guess incorrectly assume, that everybody knows what the World Championship of Fantasy Football is, uh, sure. the largest uh, – high-stakes fantasy football event, come out to Vegas, check it out, WCOFF.com. But the premise is it's an 11-week uh, regular season where teams play head-to-head, and this year we went to a two-week playoff format. Traditionally, it was just a week 12 uh, playoff this year. We're going to incorporate a second week of playoffs so the top four teams uh, make it to the playoffs, have a two-week head-to-head uh, kind of Royal Rumble, weeks 12 and 13, and then uh, the, the 75 uh, league winners plus Approximately 44 wild card teams didn't compete the last three weeks head-to-head. So new for us was this two-week playoff format. And to kind of make sure that we protected those guys that had a great regular season, um, where in the past they would have been guaranteed no worse than second, if you would, in a one-week playoff, uh, we introduced kind of – we changed our prize structure a little bit. So um, we're now giving out two awards at the end of 11 weeks. Uh, We'll award the team in each league uh, that has the best uh, record. We'll win $1,250. Uh, the team that has the most points after those 11 weeks in that league may be the same team, wins another $1,250. And then over the playoffs, you're competing for the remaining $7,500 worth of league prizes where we'll give away $5,500 to first place, $1,500 uh, to second place, and $500 to third place. So we pay out uh, $10,000 per league. Uh, and then uh, you know our overall prize structure uh, we give away $300,000 for the overall prize. So uh, we're glad to get those announcements out there. Those were kind of the last couple of open points people were waiting for. Uh, and so we got that news out there. And uh, we'll see a flurry of activity over the next few days as people kind of secure their spot in the 2009 World Championship of Fantasy Football. Wow, that's uh, those are big announcements, Jesse. I know a lot of players uh, have been anxiously waiting to hear if you guys were going to tweak that a little bit. It's, it's, it's obviously been something that's worked for years. I think every year has shown growth uh, in the contest. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, you have a great season and you're one of the top teams throughout the year uh, in, in, in some ways. Maybe maybe you're second in points and you're second head-to-head and you get shut out of that game and you you get this feeling like, holy cow, I had a great year and I'm sitting on the sidelines now. Granted, you have a chance to get back into the, the to, and get the and go for the big money, the three hundred grand, but you didn't get to capitalize on anything but that third place game. And so I think this, I think this corrects that that dilemma or that feeling that if you have a if you have a decent team or you're or you're not right at the very top, you still have a chance if you're if you're if you're roaring in the stretch to send this baby home. Yeah, as the World Championship has grown, you know, to nine hundred teams uh, participating in the event last year. You know, every once in a while you have to look back at the rules and you have to make some real 
careful decisions not to lose kind of the heart and soul of what made the, what's made the event special over the last seven years. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, we've got to we've got to make sure that we're listening to our players. And uh, you know, we asked for feedback throughout the year. One thing that came back loud and clear was try to address that um, and try and find a way to kind of extend the playoffs more than just having one bad week and blowing you up. And and so I think we tried to make the right changes to. Uh, accommodate uh, what the players are looking for. So, you know, I see them as positive changes. At the same time, you know, I think we're a little bit reluctant to make change, so it takes us some time to to really, um, you know, get comfortable with that decision because the event has been so special and has shown such great growth over the years. And, and everyone who plays in it is so passionate about it uh, that we don't take those decisions lightly. And so, um, you know, I think we took our time on this, but at the end of the day I think we got it right and the feedback has been tremendous and uh, we're excited about a great year. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that sounds awesome. This is Mike. Uh, You know, the the, the passion, the word you use there, the passion. Uh, For every player to have the passion to keep going and keep moving forward and whatever they do, uh, it's going to be awesome as long as everybody keeps the passion and keeps, you know, being hungry about what they want to do and, and the players and being active, being active in the league, and that's what makes a big difference in any league I've been in is just being active in it. I, I, I'll check it. I'll check it out uh, every night. You know, I'll just pull it up and uh, check it out and say, "What's going on? What's going on? Can I get a trade here? Can I get a trade there?" You know, so uh, the, the activity means a lot. Well, absolutely, and you know, just. You know the, the people who play in our event, just like the and the ones who play in uh, you know fantasy football leagues across the country. Uh, the one the one common denominator that we all have is we have this intense passion for football, uh, right? Whether it be to sit sit around two weeks Amen, in front of the brother. fantasy football draft and debate whether uh, you know, whether who's better, Mark Sanchez or Matt Stafford, or to sit around and debate whether you know is Anquan Bolden going to have a huge impact on the Giants if that's where he ends up. Or could he have had a big impact if he had gone to the Giants? Um, you know, uh, those debates uh, are what uh, keep us going through the off season until uh, yeah. the end of July when uh, when they drop drop the flag at the at the training camp. Well, you know, it's funny because I've always said there's two seasons. Uh, there's uh, NFL football and there's waiting for NFL football. Those are two seasons I look for. Hey, and Jesse, if you, uh, by the way, Mike, Jesse, Jesse, Mike, I think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, if you didn't, if you don't believe it, Mike's actually a, a scratch golfer, man. Wow. This guy is, uh, I, I've never I seen know, a I want to take scratch now, Scott. I've never seen a pin seeker five, seven, uh, with, <laughs> as short with as bad a back as you have just continually drill that flag, man. I've seen him bounce it off the, flo- the, the pole like three times in a round. I mean, he's just... He's uh, he's that type of he's that type of guy to have around. If you if you're uh, Mike, if you ever get out to Vegas or something, and we do the WCFF uh, golf outing, man, he's a he's a nice ringer to have. Up up well, you know, my partner Dustin, he's a ringer as well on the golf course. I'm also a scratch golfer. If I hit the ball a long ways, I can't find it. I scratch my head as I open up a new sleeve of golf ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, one well, thing about it. Cracking open a beer. I don't hit the lo- I, I don't hit the ball a long way, but my gosh, you get me from 150 in. I'm nails. We, we'd be we a got a good game. We'd be a great scramble team. Yep. 
Uh, we've got uh, Jesse Heron here, the, the current owner of the World Championship of Fantasy Football, and they have some big announcements. And, and I'll tell you, you know, we hadn't played that four-team format before, and uh, it was introduced uh, earlier in the last year by the FFPC, and they and they had a we had a really good time with the four-team format. And I think WCFF, uh, with 900 teams, obviously had no reason to change except to listen to the players. And I think uh, I guess that surveys that, that we all participated in, or a lot of us did, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think. I don't know, is this a sign of socialism or something where everybody wants a chance to win? You know, you've got the third-place prize, and I, don't, I heard some people clamoring for a fourth-place prize, Jesse, but, you know. Trust me, you we, uh, the third yeah, place. everybody wants a chance to, to walk away with something, because as much as anything else, right, it's about pride, right? Uh, you, you spend all season in something you, you care so much about. The guys who play in our event know football inside and out, uh, and, and we have the best – you know, we have a, a good diversity uh, of fantasy football talent in our league. We have, we have some guys who are complete ringers, and we've got guys who are playing for the first time, and every one of them uh, wants to walk away saying, you know, I finished in the money in the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Uh, you know, that's great water cooler talk when you get back home. Uh, so everybody wants to find a way to, to walk away with a little something. And, you know, we tried to incorporate the event to – you know, to, to manage that a little bit, we want to. There's got to be though. You can never give. Excuse me. You can never give up the prestige uh, and water down the event to take it below a third place. But we've tried to do some other ancillary events to keep people engaged throughout the season, so they don't just give up after seven weeks. So we've added, you know, postseason contests, toilet bowl contests, you know, one and done contests at the end of the year. Because we want everybody to have. At the end of the day, it's all about having a good time, have, have a good experience. So we want you to have. Not just 16 weeks of entertainment. We want to have you all the way through the postseason. We want you to have 20, 21 weeks of entertainment throughout the season because, you know, playing the World Championship of Fantasy Football is no small commitment. It, it takes time, effort, research, uh, and a lot of dedication throughout the season to manage your football team. Absolutely. Jesse, the last two years that you've owned uh, the WCFF are obviously the biggest and the, you know, the the biggest WCFF promotion that you that they've had in their history, and and they were just amazing to walk into that draft room. But two years ago, I don't know how much this whole transaction went down for, but when you told your wife that you were going to spend uh, a, a buttload of money on, on the World Championship of Fantasy Football, what did she say to you, and what well, was your background before that? Yeah, uh, in, in case she's listening, I'll say I didn't tell my wife. I had a good conversation with my wife <laughs> about, uh, uh, about what we're going to do. Now, I, you know, my background, I grew up in public accounting. I've been – uh, I was a CFO uh, for a large portion of a Fortune 500 company uh, out of Atlanta, um, brands you're familiar with like Sharpie, uh, the markers, and paper sure. pens. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I come from a uh, kind of consumer products uh, branded marketing company background, and, and I played in the event. Uh, I couldn't play in the first year because of the uh, birth of my son, uh, but I played in it every year since. Uh, probably the thing I miss the most about owning the World Championship of Fantasy Football is, uh, or is the fact that I don't get a chance to play anymore. Yeah, sure. Because I was so passionate about it. Uh, but I went uh, for a couple years, Dustin and myself, uh, went out to Las Vegas, played in these high-stakes events, looked around and said, wow, this is just such a good business opportunity. And we'd sit there and, you know, over a few cocktails watching uh, sports on Sunday, we'd sit there and debate all the different things we could do to promote this event and, Boy, wouldn't this be fun! And uh, finally, after kicking that idea around for about uh, four years, uh, we decided to put a business plan to it, and uh, we're able to uh, uh, get a business plan that uh, seemed to make some sense and was enough for us to to 
comfortable kind of putting our resources behind it. And so I remember that uh, that night when my wife and I, uh, as part of a good marriage, trying to sit there and have you know the occasional financial meeting just so we know where we stand on everything. And I said, Hey, I got this uh, got this little idea for you, honey. Um, I'd like to uh, invest our our life savings in this little thing called the World Championship Fantasy Football. Um, <laughs> now, the, the 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 fact that her draw her jaw basically fell and hit the table was one thing, um, but at the end of the day, we had a good conversation, and you know, she was uh, gracious enough to say if, if she believes in, uh, if I believe in it, she believes in it. So, uh, you know, she's all in, a uh, big supporter of it. She's out there, you know, telling all her friends about it if she can. I mean, she's a passionate. Fo- I married well. Um, my wife and I, the one thing we've had in common since the day we met is every Sunday of our life we sit in front of a TV and watch football, uh, geared up with our jerseys on and have the same food every Sunday. And my wife is as passionate about football as I am, although she's got the mistake of being a Bronco fan, which I can't do a whole oh. lot about uh, to fix that. Uh, but football's been a big part of our life, so it seemed to be a, a, a good fit for us. Well, we've got well, I, can, I, I can really uh, relate to that because uh, – my girlfriend, Rachel, and I, we've been together for 15 years, and she's a Miami Dolphins fan. She's a Dolphins fan through and through, and I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. And uh, we started into uh, another uh, fantasy football league that I said, Rachel, you want to do it? And she said, sure. So, okay, we'll do it. There you go. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun uh, going through fantasy football leagues and uh, the one year uh, when uh, I was watching highlights. But uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you watching the catch behind the guy's back? Sorry, sorry, we can't hold yeah. your attention, Mike. Yeah, I'm watching Reds game. He was talking Reds before the before we started the show. I was like, Mike, I can't hear about the Reds, man. <laughs> Said, I can't uh, help it. I'm I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Well, yeah. we've all got flaws. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we've, 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 we've got weeks to talk about the NFL draft. Obviously, we're going to be talking draft uh, for the next couple of weeks here. We've got shows lined up, Jesse, but we're we're, we're sticking with the good stuff here. Do you, do, do you, does your wife force you to watch American Idol with her? Of course. Okay. Of course. I mean, let's be clear. I mean. I assume that's the case for everybody on the phone, basically. Now, my wife is a diehard reality TV junkie, and uh, in turn for me staying up watching the baseball package every night because I'm a diehard baseball fan as well. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, um, I, grew up, I grew up on baseball first uh, uh, and foremost. That's how I got into fancy sports originally as a, as a little kid. And, well, it's actually Stratomatic baseball back in the day. But um, So I get stuck watching American Idol, Survivor. Uh, those are the big ones. So there's all, I'll only go so far, but this American Idol thing kind of just has me just like fascinated. Oh, we here. Just cut this off with American Idol. We're talking sports. And and, 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 and I and I and I found the winner, and she's uh, she's 16 years old. Come on. I'm lying here, the room's pitch dark. It's better. I wonder where you are tonight. No answer on the telephone. Sixteen. As the night goes by, so very shallow. Oh, I hope that it won't end the road. 
Now, I, now I'll my, tell you, you can, my wife would tell you, she was my pick to win the whole thing originally. <laughs> although I would tell you, in most years, both her and Danny would have a chance of winning. But but Adam distanced, distanced himself so far from the competition in the last four weeks. <laughs> it, it's over. Put a well, I'll down. tell you what, I saw these, uh, I saw these women uh, about ten years ago in Louisville. I'm talking about Nancy and Ann Wilson, and they, it wasn't, I mean, they were doing it just like that. Plus, they threw in some Led Zeppelin. So, <laughs> well, that's a good combination. Then. Oh, right, they Jesse. love Led Zeppelin. Look, man, we got Dominic Rhodes going to the Bills. That was a great segue. Did you notice that? Dominic Rhodes to the Bills today, a two-year deal. It's an incentive-laden <laughs> deal. And, uh, you know, with Marshawn Lynch getting suspended a couple of games, maybe Rhodes, uh, you know, kind of shares a little backfield with Fred Jackson there, maybe ends up with a little bit of value or something. Well, I, I think it's interesting what it does to Fred Jackson, if anything else, right? Because I think Fred was a potential sleeper um, with Marshawn yeah. being suspended a little bit, right? And Fred Fred ran the ball decent there at the end of the year. I think, um, you know, now, boy, how do they play around with those carries? I think it's going to be in- interesting to see how they uh, split the ball during preseason. Uh, and how much commitment they have to the running game uh, when they feel they're going to feel a need to put the ball in the air, you know, the, the traditional amount of balls to Evans. But now you got to keep uh, T.O. happy. I, I, their offense is going to be interesting this year. It could be a boom or bust, and you know, name it for a lot of people, right? For for whenever Lynch comes back, uh, Jackson, Rhodes, T.O., Edwards. You know, some people are throwing him as a top twelve quarterback, and potentially this year with the with the setup. But, they're one of the most intriguing teams to watch this year by far, just by the moves they've done this offseason. Oh, yeah, with Terrell Owens. Um, it's uh, let's see what Edwards can do. Maybe he makes that, that leap this year. Uh, he's one of those quarterbacks that you really don't sleep on Trent Edwards right now because I, I took him as my backup quarterback last year in a high-stakes event uh, to Peyton, and he filled in nicely for that bye week. It, it fit right in. and. I mean, he's got he's got plenty of weapons there, uh, you know, on on each side of him. When he looks left and he looks right, and and he'll he'll have Lynch back in the backfield here soon enough to, uh, to move that pile. So the, the challenge of, of a Buffalo quarterback for me always seems to be, you know, when it comes crunch time, week 14, 15, 16, uh, those Buffalo games have a tendency to have some of the worst weather known to man, right? And so even if he does put himself as a top 12 quarterback, you could find yourself having to sit him uh, at the end of the season just because of the weather in Buffalo. Cracker twelve in the chat room. Jesse says uh, thoughts on Peters to the Eagles. Well, I don't know what the Eagles are doing so far. Like for me, Eagles should be chasing. Eagles have had so many chances to chase one of these receivers, and, I, and I'm good friends with several Eagles fans, right? And they had a chance to chase down. Um, you know, why not get in the? Uh, you know, they had in the off season last year. They toyed around with it. Yeah, this year, why not get into Bolton sweepstakes even further? There's so much stuff they could be doing, and I just don't get a sense of, of what the plan is in, in Philadelphia right now. So I don't make a whole lot of the Peters move yet. Um, I feel like something else has to happen around this draft because I don't feel like the Eagles have much of an identity at the moment. Well, you know what? <clears throat> that's funny you said that because uh, that's been the way for the last two years. The last two years, they they have they never had an identity whatsoever, and then next thing you know, come uh, November, they're awake, they're awake, they're awake, they're 
still coming into the playoffs. And uh, so, uh, you know, they have to have that identity right now. And I think Andy Reid, is a, he's a damn good coach. and But they have to have that identity come August. Yeah, and, and, and until, they, until they know how much they can rely on Westbrook right now and, you know, with his health issues and, and how much, you know, I th- like I think Kevin Curtis is a sleeper this year um, in that office just because everybody forgot about him at the end of last season, right? He was hurt for the first half of the season. Uh, he seems to have good chemistry with McNabb, and you've got Deshaun Jackson being such a deep threat that I think he's going to be left open. Man, I don't think Curtis is a number one, though. He's not he, he, He's not a number one. I'm like, no, no, no. But I, but I think he's going to go so late in the draft um, that, that he's going to be a value play. Like, I'm I'm doing my little supposed uh, all-value uh, fantasy team based on oh, yeah. guys that I think will outperform their draft position. He's my wide receiver, too, in that league. Uh, two in that, just from the standpoint of, you know, I think he goes, you know, He's going as wide receiver 41 off the board right now in the uh, the mocks that we're doing over at uh, Football Guys. Wide so, so, so imagine that being your – so as a fourth wide receiver, I, I think that he's got huge upside to that. What was, yeah, what was Brian Westbrook? Brian Westbrook, for instance. How many years does he, does he have in left? Well, tell, him why, tell him why you're asking him that, Mike. Tell him why. He's in, a, he's in a third dynasty league. He's got a trade offer on the board. He wants your opinion. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Boy, How many years does he have left? I don't think he's got much, right, because the longevity of a running back is just so short. And uh, he's, he's shown over the last couple of years that he doesn't have the ability to, to withstand uh, a full beating of a season. I love his game. I love his versatility of catching the ball at the backfield. But uh, how long do I think he has left as a top – 20 running back longer than I think he had left as a top five running back. Um, yeah. You know, because, you know, he had really the one monster season, and then, you know, last year was a disappointment. Um, he's He's got such great skills, but I don't think he stays on the field enough. So, to me, he's he's going to stay in the top 20 for another two years, but that's kind of what he is going forward in my eyes. Yeah, i I tell you what, the one thing you said about uh, catching ball out of the backfield, uh, he can do that for one, maybe two more years, and then done. Well, it, well, I mean, he he became the entire focal point of their offense, right? They had no other real passing game, particularly in the first part of last season. The, the, their games were just let's hand it to to Brian, let's let's throw it to him, you know, twelve times a game, give him twelve targets, he'll catch six or seven, um, and he has the chance to break games open. But you can't do that all season, um, you know. I say that, and and the antithesis of that is, Andy, is Tiki Barber, who did that exact game plan for what, five straight years when he was already past his prime and kept himself as a top five running back for probably four more years than I ever would have guessed. You're listening to cool. Jesse Heron of the World Championship of Fantasy Thanks, Football, Jesse. special guest tonight. Mike, uh, Brian Westbrook is 30 years old. He's in their contract through 2010. Jesse, tell yep. him who you'd rather have in a dynasty team, Clinton Portis or Brian Westbrook. Ooh, that, that's a tough call. Um Woo! Clint Portis is 28. Well, well, so just on that, so, yes, if you're just looking at those statistics, you go Portis. But but my problem in Washington is so uh, so I I, I stumbled around a little bit just because I don't know your scoring format 
because yeah. the amount of times they throw the ball to Westbrook makes him more valuable uh, just heads up against Portis, although Portis will get to the house more, and Portis will get the ball. I mean, they continue to have bets and all kinds of second running backs that, that continue to think are going to get more than 700 yards in a season but never seem to. But, but Portis is such a fruit loop. He's so unpredictable. Um, you know, it would not surprise me if we woke up one day and, you know, he's like, you know, he's no longer the guy in, in Washington. Um, well, if, you, if you're thinking about age specifically, it's, it's, it's amazing to me to see how Westbrook at 30, people aren't really scared off of him yet. And, Mike, I think you should be at 30. It just 30 happens, the death you know, is a running back. Yeah, I'm not. Happens. I'm not because uh, the reason I'm not is because he's got two years and he – You think that. You think that. No, no, I know that. Years. I know that. He's got two years. Uh, him and McNabb have two years, uh, and plus he can catch the ball out of the backfield. And I can see a 200-yard game out of uh, Wesley. And the, the best thing I think they could do is get a legitimate, uh, you know, add to the running back core there and have two and three good running backs to share the load yes. some. Um <laughs> And keep him off the field more. Not Ryan Motes and the the clowns they put out the last couple of years. Uh, you know, Buck Halter showing life, and then you know he keeps tearing his knees up. But I think they've got to commit to the running game and have a future, uh, a real future replacement for him. There's a legitimate future number one. Um, hey Jesse, do you think yeah. at 21 the Eagles pick at 21? And, and I'm I'm on the contention that they take a running back. Look, they got rid of Buck Halter. And, and and Westbrook is 30 years old. You can't rely on McNabb to save you. You have to have a backfield presence. If if the Eagles at 21 are staring at Beanie Wells or no Sean Moreno somehow slips down there. I think Moreno fits their offense better than Beanie does. Um, I just I think Beanie, uh, Beanie's still a little bit too much of a lumbering uh, guy, although he's faster than I would have given him credit but for. But that's, that's um, all Bob Buckhalter, though, right? Yeah, and, and, I, and I just don't – and he's shown life, and yeah, so fair point. Um, so I, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, at the same time, if they do, like I said, I don't think they have an identity, so they could go any direction, and it would surprise. The fact that they let Dawkins get away, but yet the rest of their team is aging, and they let the the old veteran that's been the heart of their locker room get away, just blows my mind. Well, it's one of those things that uh, at, at pick 21, I think the Eagles could go pretty much any direction. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if they take a, a running back. And, and, Mike, again, my point with you, when you're thinking about trading uh, for Brian Westbrook, when you've got an offer for Clinton Portis on the table, he's two years younger. Has, that's a big difference when you're talking about dynasty football at, at the sure. age of 30. Uh, look, Michael Turner is, is Portis's age. He's 27 and a half. Ronnie Brown. Uh, is going to be 28 years old soon. They're, they're, these are all guys that – Brandon Jacobs is 27. These are all guys that are right at Clinton Portis' age. Portis has been in the league a lot longer, so maybe he, he's an older 28, uh, you know, than, than, than some of those guys. But they're all they're all right there in, at 28, and that two years makes a big difference. Right now, Scott, I'm seeing uh, no Sean Moreno uh, being the, the pick for Philadelphia. There you go. You heard it here first. That's right. Three four seven three two four five four zero four. We're talking to Jesse Heron from the World Championship of Fantasy Football. He uh, popped in and just joined us tonight uh, and wanted to talk about the uh, 
some NFL draft, and then I obviously asked about the big announcements that he made there for the four players making the uh, playoffs and the payout structure uh, switching to give, uh, well, to spread the wealth, right? Absolutely. Get everybody involved <laughs> in the playoffs. No, I uh, just wanted to uh, keep the, extend the playoffs uh, another week so we can go through 13 weeks of excitement in the regular season before we move on to the championship bracket. Jesse, who are you a fan of? Who is your team? I'm a Tennessee diehard Tennessee Titans fan. Okay, so you had a good year last year, and uh, what, what are their plans in the draft? Well, we're we're also at a crossroads. Um, you know, we've got the whole quarterback situation. Uh, right. You know, Terry Collins is a stopgap. You know, we've got this investment in Vince Young that we've got to decide what what in the world we're ultimately going to do with. Right. Um, you know, we, like I said, we've got our own challenges. Uh, we traditionally go defense all day long in the draft. Yeah. That's what I expect us to do, too. And then we look. I'd love for us to find a receiver, wake up, and have a, a good receiver staring at us. Um, but that's never our game plan. Uh, Fisher drafts defense, defense, defense. And then round five, six, seven, we take flyers on wide receivers. Uh, yeah. That'll play a year or two, and then we'll move on. Uh, I don't know Fisher's MO, man. Him, him and Reed both. They, they, they both ignore the wide receiver position like it wasn't even on a part of the team. No, it, it, it's it's almost comical. I mean, I, and, and, and most teams that most teams that do well have a big name wide receiver to come up through the ranks. I mean, Santonio Holmes, Hines Ward, Anquan Bolden, Fitz, Peyton had all his weapons. I mean, Patriots with Moss. I mean, most Plaxico. If you don't have a big name wide receiver lately, anyway, you're not you're not getting to the big game. No, and we haven't even been in the market for him. Uh, you know, like I I felt like Kushman's Auto would be a great fit for our offense. Uh, in Tennessee, uh, didn't really even entertain the thought or, or get serious about it. Uh, I'd love to have Bolden. I'd love to have somebody that, that could force the guys not to put eight and a half, nine men in the box to try and stop our running game. Because everybody knows we're gonna, you know, keep it between the tackles. We'll hit hit you with Chris Johnson. We'll hit you with Lendale, and we'll run the ball forty times a game. Our game plan is predictable. But when the Titans were even better, because we had a great year last year, but. You know, when we went to the Super Bowl, we did that, and then we could play action, and then still hit you with the deep ball. Right now, we play action, and we hit you for a seven-yard pass to the tight end. It just doesn't move the chains. Well, I tell you what, that. one thing about it is you got to feel very, very good about uh, the fact that you have a great coach. Jeff Fisher is—I mean, he is awesome. He and, is the team. Yes, yes, he is, and just to watch him. Uh, matriculate and go through things and uh but the one thing you want is be in the Super Bowl and have a chance to get there. So uh the chance the chance of that to happen, uh it could be last this year. year. Uh, it was last year unfortunately. Yeah. It was last yeah. it was last year. You have to do something now to shake this up. You've got to get Vince back on the field. You've got to get a wide receiver that he can hook up with I totally disagree with Vince. Totally disagree with Vince. I don't think Vince Young is your that that that's not your that's not your answer right now. Well, here's my oh, question. Wow. Well, yeah, I you know while he's still got value, um, if he if we're not committed to him, if the team's not behind him, then move him right. Like to me, I'd be trying to convince Denver that you know he'd be a great person to have behind uh, if Orton doesn't work out. Right and now they got Sims too, but you know what I mean. Um, somebody a little bit more of a threat and. Um, you know, I can't decide if that team's getting younger or older. Uh, at the same time, I think Tennessee and the fans uh, and the organization are solidly behind giving him another chance. At the same time, 
there is no way they're going to pull Kerry Collins off the field to put Vince Young out there right now. Um, Kerry did too well for us last season, uh, and he's not the reason uh, we didn't win against the Ravens. Uh, we just right. got to hold on to the ball. So he's not everything he can. There's no doubt about it. You guys have a solid running back core, a solid defense, and build around that and – you know, I think I think you guys have a solid uh, quarterback. To be honest with you, and Kerry Collins, and, Collins and, build, and build and build. Well, he fits he fits our offense. He fits our throw at seven yeah. yards uh, and don't turn the ball over. The question is just, um, are we going to have well, the defense? He, are we going to maintain the defense now without Hainsworth to be able to support that? That that offense is all about field position. It's having a good punting game. It's holding them, pinning them deep, ultimately getting yourself in field position, punching in 13 points a game. Uh, and without the ability to, with Hainsworth and our ability to clog up the middle but, and stop the run, I'm and, completely concerned. I'm going to say you've got a head coach that uh, that the players buy into and they love him. So There's a couple, of, a couple of things I find interesting about the Titans. Obviously, Bud Adams saying that uh, Vince Young is still their quarterback of the future, and I totally agree with it. I'm a – I live up here in Indianapolis, and seeing Vince Young come in as a rookie and do the things that he did and, and even won some games, some big games against the Colts when the Colts were, you know, the Colts. And and so you, you, you saw what Vince Young was capable of with just raw talent, with raw ability, and and, and he still didn't understand the game, and I don't know if he still does yet. But um, you've got Chris Johnson oh, one in the thing backfield. About it, you you got a big drop back. you got a big drop back quarterback. I mean, there was a phase there to where uh, quarterbacks were able to scramble. They loved that. How long that lasts? About a year, year and a half. And now it's like you got to be dropped back. you got to understand what's going on, and Vince Young can't do that. I don't know. I think he can, I think he can do both. I mean, at times I've seen him do both. I don't, I don't know what – what happened in the media there with the fan base, and, and he just kind of lost it there, it seemed like to me. It's, it's not the media, the fan base, it's just the way he does. Well, he, he's, he's never not succeeded in any phase of his life, right? Um, as a high school athlete, college athlete, you know, even the, you know, the great game in college uh, as a senior uh, in the bowl game, you know, he's always pulled it out and he's always been great. And, you know, I think he's having to learn how to deal with failure. Uh, the question is, as long as we keep the right people around him, and they talk about bringing McNair in to work with him, um, and I think McNair is a great leader, and you know he was the franchise for so long. If they put the right people around him, give him a support system, and put him in some positions to fail, um, and see that he can handle it, you know I think he'll be okay. It did concern me a little bit, even if the one thing that I took as a bad sign, and I might be the only one, but our Week 17 game didn't matter uh, last year. It really didn't. Uh, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. And it particularly didn't matter in the second half, and we didn't put him on the field, um, which I found completely interesting if he was going to be our quarterback for the future. Why would you not give him a chance to at least end the season feeling good or be ready should something happen to carry in the playoffs? Uh, and, and I was well, just stunned we never threw him on the field week 17. Maybe maybe he maybe he thought it was a little belittling or something to to put him out there and then you know usually usually you don't put Kobe Bryant even if you're sitting him or benching him you don't put Kobe in there after you've had the game in hand that just wouldn't make a lot of sense so I think they still hold him in that high regard and they're saying hey Kerry we're winning with Kerry we're gonna stick with Kerry they got he got stuck in that situation where I can't pull the trigger now things are rolling good so I, I don't know if I had to put my crystal ball hat on for just a minute 
I would say that, you know what, Kerry Collins, no way he makes it through another year healthy like that. He's going to go down at some point. Vince is going to get the nod. Whatever he does there is going to be very well, important in the know. life and career of Vince Young. And if, if I were the Titans, I would give him a very big target, like a Kenny Britt or something, if he makes it down there in the draft. Get him a get him get a wide receiver on the team that he can just get some chemistry with because I know he has Scaife over the middle, but that's just not enough. Yes. Agreed. Well, guys, it was a lot of fun having you, Jesse. Thanks for the surprise visit, and no, uh, it, it. you're welcome anytime. All right. Well, look, like I said, uh, I enjoyed the opportunity to listen. Uh, you guys got a great show, and uh, uh, you know, look, we're a week and a half away from the draft. We got a lot of exciting things coming up, so I look forward to uh, following up with you after the draft. All right, Jesse. Thanks, thanks for coming Jeff. on, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. That was Jesse Heron of the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Just jumping in, and we were uh, chatting about uh, the draft. And, uh, guys, don't forget, we have the draft day bonanza, 14 straight hours. Here we go. After years of blood, sweat, and tears, it all comes down to this. <laughs> draft Weekend 09. To celebrate this year's Gridiron Draft, the Fantasy Sports Channel is rushing more than 24 hours of live draft action your way. And we're the only place on the planet to do it with a fantasy football twist. Excitement begins Saturday, April 25th at 10 a.m. Eastern with 14 continuous hours of nonstop draft day coverage, plus another live draft block beginning Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. The Fantasy Sports Channel. Only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Yeah, Mike and I at Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio are hosting from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, draft day, live. Be here. Let's, let's talk draft. We're going to be watching the picks from 12 to 18. They have 10 minutes per pick uh, on draft day. So we're going to get to see about, like we said, about picks 13 through 18, somewhere in that range. We're going to be able to talk. Uh, so we've got we've got teams that are lined up, and, and Mike, when I look at this draft, uh, early up at the top, the best team that I see that has the highest draft pick is the Jaguars at eight. I guess the Packers at nine. You could throw them up there too. The Jags and, and the Packers both have very high draft picks, uh, and what they do with those could put them in a very promising position for 2009. Well, I tell you what, Scott, I, I think there's going to be a lot of moving and shaking. I don't. You know, whoever wants Mark Sanchez, I see some moving and shaking uh, as far as that goes. Uh, I've got my top 17 listed right now. Uh, Michael Crabtree is my number one. Well, we've got one. We've got one minute left on the show, so I don't know if we have time for your 17. All right. Well, well hold, that, have hold that thought for next week. We've got a caller from the 212, and we want to have. We, we've been wanting to take calls on this Braylon Edwards and Bolden thing. Uh, do you have a comment about Braylon Edwards or Bolden? Are you are you happy to see them go, or and, and who are you a fan of? Uh, I'm a fan of the Giants. I'll take them both. How about that? <laughs> I don't blame. That's you. why they're here. Breaking <laughs> to the point. What's up, guys? This is Alex. Hey, Alex. What's up, Good Alex? To hear from you, man. Uh, uh, the Giants fan here, Alex Kaganowski of the, of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Big Giants fan, so you're not afraid of Braylon Edwards, huh? No, nah, dude. Braylon Edwards, is, listen, I don't know what happened last year. I don't know why he was dropping balls. Maybe, you know, maybe he's doing a little blow. Maybe he's not concentrating. I don't know. But the, the, guy, the guy, the guy is a, uh, a fourth overall pick. He's got the talent. He's got the ability. You know, he just needs to, hit the, you know, dropping balls is something you could get over. Uh, it's concentration. 
And, and you know, this this is not a lazy guy. This is a guy who worked hard. He got over an ACL. Uh, he's got all the ability in the world. I mean, look at two years ago. I, I mean, he wasn't dropping anything two years ago. So <clears throat> I really, you right. know, I'm not afraid of him. I'm just complete. And I'll tell you something else. As far as going out there and, and, and catching the 30, 40-yard bombs, I think he's head and shoulders better than Bolden. Bolden is a different type of player. Bolden is a little. We're out of time. We're right. out of time. Hang with, it. Hang with us, Alex. Hang with us after the break. Okay. Man, that went fast. Yeah, it did. You've been listening to Red. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. Still have you guys with us? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah we've got, uh, man, I'll tell you, this Blog Talk Radio is a nice application, but uh, I tell you what, uh, sometimes the, the switchboard just airs out, gets buggy. And uh, they've, they've got their improvements to make. I don't know if they're making any money at this thing yet. I'm sure they're, they're going to figure out a way to do that. But uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we, we enjoy the free service, huh? Uh, um, Alex, it, it's good to hear from you, man, because I've been wanting this Giants perspective on Braylon Edwards specifically. I knew I knew what you'd say about Bolden. I mean, everybody, hey, you'd love to have Eli to have a big target like Bolden, but something. Something's wrong with Braylon. Uh, the fact that he wasn't in any of these plays, uh, dropping balls, it was like he wasn't even in the game. I don't know if it was quarterback <laughs> chemistry or not, but like you said, I would think back to two years ago where he looked like he was going to be the next emerging star wide receiver. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I was uh, ranting pretty pretty fast there before the break, but um, now I can slow down. Uh, there you go. Look, the guy, <laughs> <laughs> the guy uh, I am – I'm not worried about uh, uh, about his hands. He's got the pedigree. Uh, he's uh, easily a top ten talent in the league, and uh, I've seen I've seen players work on their uh, on their catching ability before. I've seen it improve in other players. It's happened. Um, that's the one area you can improve on, uh, but um, you know you you can't teach what this guy has, which is uh, you know just the physical ability. Uh, to be uh, a stud wide receiver, and as far as comparing him to Bolden, and, and I love Bolden. I think Bolden is great, but as far as going down the field and catching the long third, the 30, 40, 50 yard bombs, if you like to get him that far, uh, I think Braylon Edwards is the better man for it. I, I really, I've never, I don't remember Bolden as being that type of wide receiver. He's more of a catch and go type of guy. Right. Uh, Bolden is more of the guy that that can run 40 yards and catch the ball. And he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid to uh, do a curl or a slant or anything over the middle. And, and Braylon's that guy that somehow gets open uh, 40 yards out. That's right. That's right. Now, having said that, I, I'll take Bolden too. But I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm almost, now that I, I have, you know, it's almost it's possible that Maybe we we have a shot at, at either one or the other. I may uh, I may want more uh, Braylon more than Bolden. Braylon is currently going and being drafted at wide receiver sixteen as a Cleveland Brown, and if he goes to the Giants, will that improve his draft stock? In your opinion? Yes, uh, because 
because now, uh, first of all, he's on a team that, even though uh, they're a good defensive team, uh, they like to throw the ball. Coughlin throws the ball. He likes throwing the ball. They can run the ball 50 times and still throw it 25 to 28 times. So, uh, and, and, you know, now you don't have uh, uh, Burris, you don't have Toomer, you don't have, uh, you don't have Shockey, obviously. You know, you only have Steve Smith on the other side, or, or uh, Hickson, probably Steve Smith, I'm assuming. Um, so, so Braylon Edwards is, uh, you know, would easily be getting 80, 80 balls as a starting wide receiver for, for the Giants, and uh, with 80 catching 80 balls two years ago, he caught 16 touchdowns. So, um, Alex, have you heard these uh, these rumors floating around that uh, the Giants have said no way to trading Steve Smith? Yes, I heard this. Uh, I think uh, I don't know if I know if I have any more information than everyone else, uh, but uh, yes, I have heard it, and and quite honestly, I'm not surprised because. Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not surprised because the Giants believe in uh, keeping their guys, quality guys, uh, um, team guys. You know that they that they build uh, in their system. And Tom Coughlin sure that that happens. Yeah, and Steve Smith is one of those guys. And plus, you know what? Uh, yep. Maybe they know something that we don't, uh, and that is that Steve Smith is a uh, is a uh, Amani Tumor. Uh, waiting to happen. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen enough of him. I know he was a fast kid at USC. Um, you know, one of those guys that uh, would burn you deep. And and I think he was uh, part of that tandem with uh, Mike Williams at USC. And 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 I didn't really. I just always heard his name. You know, it's just one of those names that you're like, okay, he's he's one of the guys that uh, that is going to go high in the draft. And and. I guess he's just gotten very little fanfare from since that point of when he came into the league. He just kind of quietly came in, just kind of has has pushed his way in and 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 forced his way in there with Eli. So I, I guess I I think that's something that he, I think Eli has something to do with it. Is what I'm saying. Eli has forged a connection and a relationship with with, with Steve Smith, and he's saying, okay, look, I've I've lost Plaxico, I've lost Shockey, I've lost Tumor. Uh, you can't take another guy from me that I've developed some chemistry with. It's it's possible that's how they're looking at it, but, uh, you know, the guy has to be good enough for uh, not just to have chemistry. I mean, you, you know, he's got to be good enough. I mean, I'm sure he's got some chemistry with some of the other guys or, you know, even uh, even uh, Hickson. Uh, but, uh, I mean, who the hell wants, you know, who cares about Hickson? I mean, that guy's, uh, you know, he, he, he talked about dropping balls. I mean, that guy's dropping balls all day long. You know, and um, <laughs> so, but I, I, really, I think I think you know I I always you know I always uh, try to put myself in the in the uh, in the mind of of the GM and you know because they know what we don't know we just read what the writers write and what we see on television so you know they they have a different view on it so they they may have a much higher opinion for whatever reason of Steve Smith than we do. <clears throat> I'm kind of like you, Alex. So I think Braylon maybe fits the Giants' offense better, and, and it seems to me like the key to the Giants' offense. Obviously, they're going to pound the ball, and they're going to command respect on from the ground uh, from the defense. And so, 
I think the key to the Giants' offense, without a, a real dominant, you know, another good weapon on the other side, is a guy who can draw double coverage. And when you single on him, he can beat his man, and he can go up and grab a jump ball. And and that sounds like Braylon Edwards to me. And and I so I, I think he does have that number one capability. It's just whether or not he shows it. Yeah, I, I, look, if you single Braylon Edwards, expecting him to drop. Uh... You know, every other ball, uh, you're going to get yourself in big trouble. So um, I'm assuming that uh, that's really not not the the the, um, the case with him on a, on a on a play-by-play basis. I mean, I've seen him drop open balls last year. I mean, it was ridiculous, the balls he was dropping. But I have to say that that is not who Braylon Edwards is. So... Even if he starts off slow and they keep, you know, they keep uh, putting single coverage on him, uh, I mean, he's going to just destroy, destroy the defenses because he's going to catch a run and, and uh, you know, he's going to be scoring 40-yard, 50-yard touchdowns. Well, and this Steve Smith kid, he is actually going at wide receiver 43 right now as Eli's second primary weapon. Uh, wide receiver 43, would you feel good about him being your wide receiver four this year? If, well, of course, uh, if the situation doesn't change, but if they bring someone else in, then uh, you know I, I don't expect him to be consistent enough to to be worthy of starting, uh, other than you know maybe drafting him uh, late in uh, in a draft experts uh, in a best ball format. Yeah, where 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 you you kind of don't know when that big week's going to come from. All right. Well, we've got a uh, we've got a lot of action going on, and and it's and it's always gets exciting around draft day. I'm just hoping that we have some of those big draft day trades, and uh, it's interesting. I want to get some more Browns fans on here. I want to know if they're ready to get rid of Braylon. I want to hear from the Arizona fans. I know they don't want to let Bolton go, uh, but do they see Breston stepping up into that role? Do they see potential in early Doucette? We want to hear from you guys uh, next week at three four seven three two four five four zero four. We have one more week. Of, of draft coverage left, uh, one more show, and then we're going to have uh, draft Saturday. Uh, it'll be here uh, before you know it, and we're going to be on Friday night. We might even make it a two-hour show, Mike. I don't know if you if you want to if you want to pull that off, and then be right back at it. Usually I'm good. On, I'm good for let's do it. Usually, Ten to midnight. Usually, usually on draft day, I like to to get uh, the crock pot going early in the morning, and you know we open up. Uh, the doors for the neighbors that we all kind of are, are, are watching the draft back and forth, kind of grilling out and uh, popping in and out. Now, you know, that was when it was 15 minutes a pick. Now that it's 10 minutes a pick, doesn't give you as much time. You really almost stay glued to the set, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, you don't want to. NFL, Roger, he's supposed to uh, add two more, uh, two more. You know, thanks to the. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. Did we lose Mike a little bit? Is that what happened? Uh, I think he's dropping the phone, probably. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, he's gonna ask two more. Two more. Uh, <laughs> Mike Ism. Here is two of them. Two of them. Two of them. Uh, no, he's gonna add. Uh, he wants to add two more uh, games to the uh, each league. It's gonna be nineteen twenty. Who knows? Yeah, I agree, Mike. Hey. <laughs> we'll take any more football we can get. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was classic. All right, guys. I'll be ready. Come. 
I can't. Hey, I'll be ready. Come. Uh... <laughs> Go on, guys. I, I, I can't mute him. My switchboard's down. I can't mute him. The only thing I can do is hang up, and it'll, it'll end the call. But uh, uh, Alex, me will be bad. And, and breaking down the Giants, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to next Saturday. Hope you can join us, man. I don't know when the Giants – well, I guess the Giants are drafting late, huh? What are, what are they, in the 20s somewhere? Uh, Mike, where are they, in the 20s? Where are they, Mike? 23rd. All right. 23. Well, there you got it. You have it. Yeah, well, maybe they maybe they trade up. You've got Mario Manningham, too. We never even talked about that kid. He was a, a Michigan guy. And, threw that out there, by the way. Huh? I just threw that out there. Twenty third, I don't know. Hell, let me look. <laughs> All right, we've we've busted out of control, man. We're already twelve minutes over, and uh, we're, we're we're going to uh, call it a night for Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio for uh, Alex Kaganowski, Michael Trent, and Scott Atkins. All right, take care, bud. All right. Rest in peace. <laughs> Ha <laughs>